Welcome to CXCast. I'm Martin Gill, a research director at Forrester. I'll be your host, and I'm joined by my co-host, Angelina, and producer, Wes. Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you. And we're also joined today by Principal Analyst Max Ball, who's a Forrester colleague. And he's here to talk to us about a new report he's working on. And it's, it's called Customer Service Unplugged, which is, I don't know, I'm intrigued by the title. Where does the title come from, Max? Actually, it comes from Daniel Hong, who you may know. There was the old, old, yeah, I guess it is old, the old MTV program, MTV Unplugged. And that was where they'd get Eric Clapton famously did Layla acoustic. So the idea is instead of looking at all the technology and the bells and whistles, because contact centers are hubs of groovy, weird little technology things. It's actually, what about the life of an agent? What does that look like? So that's where the title came from, which I always thought was kind of interesting. This is my first solo report here at Forrester. And it was a, you know, I was expecting to do, I don't know, uh, why left-handed IVR is better than right-handed or something like that. And suddenly I get to do something like this. It's been a really fun report to work on. Usually when we do these reports, I mean, there's something that's changed. So are we looking at the agent differently? Are we looking at the role of the agent differently? What, what's going on there? Boy, howdy. And I bet you'll be shocked to find out the thing that drove the change was COVID. Who'd have thunk? So what has happened is we're not our best selves these days overall. And, you know, at the moment, COVID seems to be lifting a little bit. So who knows? Maybe it's party on from this point forward. But you know, people are not at their best. And more and more, the reasons people are calling companies are, I lost my job and I can't pay my bill or something just really fraught and painful. And oh, by the way, the companies are in a lot of cases have been overwhelmed with calls. So I had to sit through a long queue. I had to sit through an irritating IVR before I got to somebody and oh, by the way, now we have AI more and more taking on the needs around the simple questions. I just need to find a form. I can't do this. Where's the nearest branch? All that stuff kind of goes away. You know, I used to work on the technology side. I used to be a vendor and it's like, oh, AI is going to automate stuff. Greatest thing in the world for the agents. They don't have to do those stupid questions anymore. They get to do all the cool stuff that they really want to be doing and helping with real problems. But then when you peel that away a little bit, what are the real problems? It's, you know, I lost my job. I'm not going to be able to pay my bill. What can you do for me? I talked to a woman once. This was really painful. She used to be an agent and she worked for a company that did workman's comp. And she said, so my job sometimes was to tell the guy whose leg was crushed by a machine that we have turned down his claim. Agent used to be a very, well, it, it still somewhat is, but it's transitioning from being a really boring job of, you know, yeah, here's the nearest branch and stuff like that, to a really painful job where you're doing really hard questions and really deep stuff. And, you know, the contact centers haven't really adjusted to that yet. So that's kind of the factors that have led to the change in the agent's world. It's, it's really massive. 
So the, the picture you're painting is really one of agents having to act with much more empathy towards the, the people they're talking to on the phone. So it's not a world where first contact resolution, get you off the phone, never talk to you again. It's much more a world where the agents are having to think differently. So what is is it empathy? Is that the right word? And like, why? <laughs> I have this love-hate relationship with the word empathy. I've been at Forrester now for seven months. Prior to that, I was at a number of vendors and... Empathy suddenly became a really hot buzzword in the contact center space. And I was in product marketing. So guess what my new favorite word was? Empathy. So I started using empathy in everything I talked about. And the reality is it's really important. And now all of a sudden I'm an analyst and I'm not just looking at the technology part of the world. I get to look at the bigger picture here. So Suddenly I get to care and think about what I was talking about earlier. I have a situation where people are calling because they lost their job or because they can't pay a bill or something where empathy is so much more important than, you know, where's the nearest branch or something like that. So we as people need empathy, you know, we as customers need empathy much more than we have historically. And then later on top of that, what's happening to the agents. We're asking them, they're the front line. They're the ones who have to be empathetic to people. And yeah, okay, I can do that. Second call, third call, fifth call, eight call. At some point, it gets harder and harder to do that. It's a buzzword that's out there. It's something that vendors love to talk about and marketing has gotten all over. But there's a, re you know, there's a reason for that. And the reason is things have been really hard for people we as customers need empathy. And then if you think about it, the agents on the front line, they need empathy in order to be able to give that. I'll play devil's advocate here with empathy. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> so contact centers, sometimes viewed as a cost center, the organization wants to derive as much value out of this as possible. Does empathy cost us more? If we're being empathetic and we're being great listeners and we're spending more time understanding problems and trying to solve for customer problems. Is that going to be a big cost that doesn't pay off? Okay, we can do a six-hour podcast on that question alone. That's a brilliant question. I'm going to give an example, I think, is the best thing to do, and then, and then kind of peel back from it. Cigna, the healthcare company, and Martin, this kind of ties to something you were asking about earlier. They doubled down on average handle time, which is how long is the average call. And this is... But to your point, Angelina, this is the cost center mindset. And way too many contact centers are in a pure cost center mindset. Healthcare company, there are two primary types of phone calls that they get. One is collections. The other is health issues. So imagine doing that and being told, hey, you're at four minutes, 45 seconds. You can wrap it up in 30, 15 seconds here. You better get moving here. It got so bad for the agents that they started a poll publicly on the web and got thousands of agents to say, the company needs to stop this. This is, is really awful for everyone. And then the Guardian picked it up, wrote an article about it, and the subheading of the article was, I was crying before I logged on. So there is absolutely an over-rotation on cost. The thing that's really hard, because then the answer to that is, 
okay, you, you need to treat your customers well, that drives customer sat, that drives increased spend, yada, yada, yada. But go to a C-suite and show that model. You can't. It's very indirect. And there's 18,000 other things that drive the customer sat. So, you know, one of the big challenges is how do you start driving a bigger picture? How do you show more value? And it's really, you know, this is one of the points in the papers, you get what you measure. And guess what Cigna got measuring that? So what you have to do is you have to take a little bit of a bigger picture. You have to get agreement that, okay, we're not going to cost cut to the nth degree. We're going to cost cut. There's a lot of things you can do that cut costs, but are also better for the customers. Super simplistic example, I fly on American Airlines. If I'm flying or I'm, you know, platinum, if I'm flying tomorrow, when I call, they know my number. They say, hello, Jay. I see you're, I'm not going to get into why they think my name is Jay. I see you're flying tomorrow. Can I help you with that flight? Is that why you're calling? Well, what? I don't know the numbers. 84% of the time when someone's flying the next day, that's why they're calling. So I say, yes. Do you want to change seats? No, there's nothing the IVR can do for me. They send me to an agent. The agent knows who I am. The agent knows I have a flight and they've got all the information about the flight. That call now is 45 seconds shorter than it would have been otherwise. Labor's two thirds of your cost. So there's a lot of things you can do that align better customer set with more efficiency. So companies need to focus on that more than just, I'm going to force everybody in the IVR and I'm just going to drive completion rates. I don't care what the customer thinks. There's a lot of mindset like that, unfortunately, still in the world. But there's this kind of happy middle where you can do more, you know, have better service, have more thoughtful, more personalized stuff. And that gives some space for the empathy. And, you know, the other thing is when you're measuring, to get back to measuring, which six hours ago I was talking about, when you look at that, if you're just measuring, you know, productivity, you're going to create troubles like we just talked about. You also need to look at quality, quality management. And most larger contact centers will do that. You also need to have some flavor of customer sentiment in there. And it's all imperfect. Surveys suck in a lot of ways. There's some sentiment measurements, but they're pretty nascent. If you have those three things that you measure, productivity is going to be aligned. Productivity is going to, you can improve productivity, maybe not as fast as you could, but you're also keeping the customer in thought. You can over-rotate on empathy as much as I gave that example of over-rotating on efficiency, but there's ways to be able to deliver both. And that's a lot of what this report is about is what is stuff you can do that kind of helps the agents, et cetera. So I'm I'm a big fan. Of, I like where you went with the measurement piece. I'm a big fan of the measure what matters, what gets measured, gets done, that kind of philosophy. And taking that like longer term customer lifetime value perspective rather than short termism drive cost out, I think is healthy. You start to touch on like practical things like creating context around the call that educating the agent on why the person might be calling. They're flying tomorrow, so we can make some assumptions about that. What other actions or activities do you see kind of firms doing to enable that empathic call center agent? You know, there's a lot. Actually, there's a really cool example, large financial institution. You know, in big contact centers, it's very common that all the interactions are scripts. So, hi, Martin. I'm so glad you called. I'm Max. How can I help you today? I want to delight you. Oh, you're having a problem with your checking account. Think it sounds robotic. It's awful. And this this bank realized they weren't serving their customers well. 
So they said, okay, we want to let the agents talk more like we're talking, you know, just using our natural voices. So they wanted to move to talking points, not scripts. Problem is lots and lots of agents, many different talking styles. And if you just say, yeah, talk like yourself, it's not going to work. So they looked at it. They spent a lot of time studying. They came up with what a good conversation sounds like. And some of it's kind of almost creepy. It's like, you need to say thank you six times a call or eight times a call. I don't remember the exact number. Yeah, yeah. Angelina, you can't see it, but Angelina's furrowing her brow appropriately here. So some of it's a little like, but a lot of it is is just good common sense, real conversational stuff like I statements. So one of the examples they have is they want to promote their mobile app. What they recommend is you need to do I statements. So don't, you know, the script, we have a mobile app. It's really great. Have you ever used it? Gosh, you should download the mobile app. But instead, it's I statements. And it's, if you use our mobile app, I use it all the time. It's great. I take pictures of my checks and I deposit them. I don't even have to go to an ATM. It's so convenient. It's really great. You know, I'm just throwing it out there. You ought to think about it, getting people to do that. So they came up with a model of what they wanted. And then they started doing the training. And it, this is a massive investment. I don't know how many thousands agents, but it's in the thousands. 90 minutes upfront training for everyone. Pulling, you know, those of you who know anything about a contact center, pulling an agent out for 90 minutes is not a trivial investment times, we'll just say a thousand for easy numbers sake. Then once a month for a year, for 60 minutes, they did reinforcement training. Plus all of their reviews of their agents included reinforcing this and looking at it. And they're getting really good results. You know, I mentioned the mobile app thing because that's something they're measuring and mobile app adoption has gone up a great deal from people who took calls. So it's been affected there. They've been able to see it. Agents are getting more confident. Customer reviews have been up, et cetera. Angelina, this kind of goes back to your point earlier of... Am I going to invest in empathy? This is a huge investment, massive investment. So how many people are going to be willing to do that? I don't know, but I do have a case study of somebody who's done it and it looks to have paid off really well. Is there, when you invest in all of this training to ensure that it is feels authentic to the agent, is there something we need to do, some sort of environment we need to build around them to feel supported to actually take this leap and embrace these behaviors in an authentic way? Yeah, that's the part of this report that I feel good about is, I don't, I don't know that they're wonderful and people may know a lot of this stuff, but what we spent a lot of time talking to people about and having in the report is, okay, let's agree that it's important that we are treating our agents right and putting them in an empathetic environment so that, that they can pay it forward, if you will. And there are a lot of things you can do. You know, contact centers, okay, the first thing is, what are you measuring? Obviously, there's also just, there's so much negative reinforcement in the contact center. You know, quality management, I sit down and I get reviewed by my supervisor and that's great, but it's all about, you said this wrong and you went here wrong and, you know, that. So we found a lot of really good examples of companies who would do things like their three best performing agents of the month. There was a monthly meeting that contact center management had up with the executives. 
Well, they took those three people to that meeting and they sang their praises in front of the executives for five minutes. There's some time investment there, but it was a really hugely valuable thing. So some of it is just, what are some carrots? Give the supervisor $10 gift cards. And, you know, when they overhear a call, that's really good. Here's 10 bucks. That was great. Just small stuff, frequently done. I think that was one thing is I, I can't tell you how many contact centers I talked to around this. And like, yeah, once a quarter, we tell people they're great. It's like, well, why don't you, you know, once a week, give out some, you know, $10 gift cards. It's like, it's not going to break the bank. So lots of things like that. When you are a contact center, this is one that's really hard, but people are really working at it is what do you do when someone has those really brutal calls and more and more people are working on finding ways to come up with a flag or something that somebody can throw to say, help, I need it. You know, I need a break because, you know, you get the guy whose legs were crushed and then it's like, hi, I'm on the next call. And that can happen. For the most part, it's really hard to have something where I can say, okay, I don't want the next call. People are figuring out how to do it, but at least, you know, okay, you're going to get a break in five, 10 minutes or, you know, after this call or something like that so that they can help. There's a number of other things that can be done. That's just kind of a handful of stuff. It's a really interesting point about there's different levers that you can kind of pull to um, alleviate certain amounts of stress on the different agents. It's also just kind of brings back a point that I've been wondering about, about authenticity that Angelina kind of spoke to as well. And I feel like that is something that could be lost with getting technology involved and having a certain level of automation brought in as well. And so I wonder kind of what role does technology play in these call center environments and how can that even help to drive empathy or even maybe like the data management as you kind of spoke to earlier with alleviating certain repetitions of things that I know when I go on call centers, I often will either say representative or press zero a bunch of times to skip the virtual person all the time, or just so I have to only say all the personal information one time instead of having to repeat it over and over again in a lot of these call center environments. Yeah, that's an awesome question. And as a guy who spent a decade in an IVR company, I'm loathed for the wonderful applications that people bring so that when you yelled agent 52 times, you still couldn't get one. There's a few things technology can do. One is, to your point, a lot of times technology worsens the problem a great deal. And even good things about technology, I mentioned this before, a well-done bot that people feel good about is something that means the easy stuff goes away and does make the it's better for the customer and it's better for the given interactions, but it actually exacerbates this problem, even though that's a totally good thing. But to your point, good design of the use of the technology and not having people repeat, getting the context, et cetera, that's all really important. Technology helps with that a lot. There are some cool things AI is bringing to the fore where I can now have AI listening to a call and, and making some suggestions and things. I've seen some really lame versions of that, like customer sentiments going down, be more empathetic. I mean, literally I've seen people pass like, really? How's that helping? In but okay, whatever. There are also things where it's, you know, I can get the right suggestion of things, stuff like that. And it's interesting. I mentioned before, you know, I was at a tech company when COVID hit and suddenly empathy became a buzzword and everything. And so, boy, I started talking about how my software helps with empathy. But the reality is the best thing technology can do is get out of the way. 
and you know, I, I would argue this thing we were just talking about is repeating in a question and stuff. Get that out of the way. Nobody needs that. Design it better. Then you have some of the stuff that we do to agents. How many times have you been on a call and the agent's like, oh, 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 my computer's a little slow. Hold on a minute. And the reality is he's got to go to four different screens on five different applications to get that information. And he's in the background typing like this and you can't see it, but he's he's just killing us. Well, how do you pay attention to the customer if you're just scrambling in the background to do that? So the best thing technology can do is make your UI simple, design it well, consolidate the information, get it. Think about, you know, how much a person can absorb in a moment and just make it really easy to get the right information and really fast and painless. I think there's a a really fascinating theme here around if you expect your agents or you want your agents to act with empathy towards your customers, you have to treat them with equal empathy in terms of thinking about their employee experience, their job, and just making it simple and easy and giving them the breaks. And I think that's come out really powerfully throughout this whole conversation. Do you have any final thoughts as we wrap up? Yes. I'm going to leverage what you said. There's a guy, Daniel Ward who I, I just think is is one of the great thinkers in the contact center space. And he has puts all this into place and it's so simple. He just says, you can't build empathy in a non-empathetic environment, period. And I just think that's, if I were to sum it all up in one sentence, I think that's what I learned doing this report. I think that nails it. So thank you, Max, for sharing your upcoming research. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Angelina, for coasting. This has been the CX Cast. Thank you for listening. 